0: Most Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, and this is a reality that hit hard when the COVID-19 pandemic started, that without a single paycheck, families are faced with either buying groceries or paying bills. Most families don't have adequate savings stored up for any kind of financial crisis, whether that's a pandemic or being laid off or a health scare. My guest today, Brianne Sosha, is a certified financial planner who has some strategies to help families get financially healthy and stay financially healthy. This is the Better America podcast. Let's jump in. All right. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Better America Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Hatridge, and with me today is Brienne Sosha. She is a certified financial planner there in Las Vegas, Nevada, and goes by the Financial Yogi on social media. Brienne, thank you for being here today. Hi,
1: Billy. Thanks for having me.
0: So, real quick, just um, tell us a little bit about who you are, kind of your journey to becoming a financial planner, and and what you do there as as the Financial Yogi.
1: Sure. Yeah, so I've been a financial advisor for about 10 years now, and the way I got into the business was I was an elementary school teacher, but my father was a financial advisor for 40 years, over 40 years, and he actually got sick with cancer and knew that he was going to have to retire and offered for my sister and I to take over his business, so it's actually a family business, which makes for a nice story, and you know, our father passed away around six or seven years ago but you know we're lucky enough today to continue on with his legacy and we still have most of his clients which is a blessing and um, yeah i get to carry on the family name and financial yogi is my brand and that is because i am an avid yoga practitioner i am not a yoga teacher i'm only a financial planner Uh, but i do believe that a lot of the lessons that we learn in yoga can be applied to our everyday life, and especially when it comes to finances. And some examples of that are, you know, perseverance and dedication, hard work, balance. So that is the brand um, behind my business.
0: Awesome. And I think that's definitely physical health and, and finances, I think, go hand in hand in a lot of ways of being uncomfortable now so that you can be healthier in the future, right? And so, uh, you know, with our finances, is about not necessarily blowing all your money right now just to make yourself happy because you need a nest egg for the future. And
1: Definitely. Be- i can say that, you know, financial wellness and your financial health is one of the really important pieces to the puzzle of your overall wellness and your overall health.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So... What do you think needs to be, let me see here, with the COVID-19, and I'm debating back and forth on how much of the pandemic to talk about in these episodes, but I I don't think you can really avoid it. Um, But I think definitely when the pandemic hit, a lot of Americans realized how financially ill-prepared they were for any kind of financial crisis, And, and it really kind of amazed me at how many families were living paycheck to paycheck, and that by not getting hours this week, they could not pay the bills next week. And the stimulus package and everything that the government is doing to kind of help with that, I don't think would have been so big or such a burden had American families been more prepared for these things. Because whether it's a, a, a global pandemic or being laid off from work or personal injury or you know a, a health scare, there are a lot of ways that Americans need to be betterly, better financially prepared. So what are some of the things that you talk about with your clients when you kind of start setting them up for that financial success?
1: Yes, definitely. That's a good question. And, you know, I don't think that any of us saw this coming. I don't think that, you know, if we were asked, you know, what's going to be the next big thing with our economy and possible recession, I just don't think that anybody would have ever thought that it would be a global pandemic. But it just goes to show that you never know what's going to happen. So being prepared is super important. And I forget the exact number, but, you know, there's a great percentage of Americans who, you know, don't even have a $1,000 in um, savings. So it's really scary. And I think part of that is just education. I think education is really important, whether you decide to get educated with a financial advisor, or you take the route, you know, of educating yourself in the beginning, if you're not ready to work with a financial advisor, and understanding you know the different levels of savings so you know it just it really goes back to basics i always tell my clients you know it's kind of like a diet there's no magic answer you have to start from the bottom up and you know budgeting um and it sounds so boring and so tedious but it's so important to just know you know what kind of income you have coming in versus going out knowing if you have a surplus or a deficit if you have a deficit okay that's where you start you know, how do you turn that deficit into a surplus, either spending less or making more and then, you know, saving a portion of your income. So, you know, starting with just an emergency savings account, I know, you know, financial advisors are always preaching this, but it is, it's so true. You, you really need to have anywhere from three to 12 months worth of savings, you know, just in cash in case of emergencies like this. If you, you know, can't get through to unemployment and it's going to take a while and, you know i've been telling people don't beat yourself up you know you can't go back and if you didn't have it before it's okay start now and maybe you can't start now because things are so bad um, but when you are back to work and the world does return to some sense of normalcy you know start even if it's ten dollars every paycheck into your savings account something is better than nothing and i think sometimes you know we get stuck on the fact that, you know, you can't, I can't save a port, I can't save 10% of my income. So it becomes an all or nothing. And it doesn't have to be that way. You're always making steps and progress towards your financial goals. So even if you start small, um, it's something.
0: Awesome. So what what are some of the biggest issues that when someone seeks out your services as as a certified financial planner, what are some of the big issues that they're dealing with in their family or what are some of the underlying reasons for, for seeking out a, a certified financial planner?
1: Sure. So um, just to, you know, kind of summarize what a certified financial planner is, you can work with a financial advisor and a financial advisor is completely capable, licensed, sort of, you know, qualified to manage your money. Um, and even work with you on financial goals. A certified financial planner has some extra coursework. So certified financial planners go through about 18 months of extra coursework and you have to uh, take an extra exam and uh, write some really fun papers so it just kind of gives you an extra added sense of credibility financial certified financial planners have to act as sort of a fiduciary where we put our clients best interests above our own so you know things that i do with my clients are you know that holistic planning piece so you know you come in we talk about what your struggles are what your goals are and then we attack it as a holistic picture you know do you have your asset protection in place meaning you know life insurance health insurance disability insurance long-term care insurance Uh, we talk about retirement so you know what are the best courses of action for you to save for retirement taxes Uh, we work very closely with you know cpas and accountants uh, to kind of act as a money team Uh, estate planning attorney so do you have all your end-of-life documents in place Um, and then investments of course you know what types of investments are appropriate for your time horizon your risk tolerance and again your goals it all goes back to goals-based planning
0: gotcha and we live by the model my wife and i um the make more spend less mentality and i think that that's key when it it comes to financial health but i want you. Do you want to build on that a little bit more and kind of explain that philosophy for those maybe who don't, don't live like that?
1: Yes. I, I have a saying kind of like that too. I always say it doesn't matter how much you make it. It matters how much you keep, right? So I have plenty of high net worth clients that are still living above their means or right at their means. And the key to, or one of the keys to financial success is living below your means. So, you know, that you don't have to be stressed living paycheck to paycheck. Um, You know, stashing away a percentage of your income or, you know, a dollar amount every time you get paid or income comes in uh, so that you, you know, it just brings peace of mind and an overall sense of calmness if you're not, you know, wondering if you can pay your bills every month. You know, who wants to live that kind of lifestyle forever?
0: Right. And I think that most Americans probably fall guilty of thinking about financial wealth in terms of what their neighbors have, what their coworkers making that, that net income. But like you were talking about, a lot of it's the take home. It's, it's how much money you have left after you spend what you make. Is that something that you see it's a big issue um, among the families that you work with?
1: Yes. And I have clients who, you know, maybe aren't making six figures a year, but they're better savers than the clients who are. Right. <laughs> so, it, again, it, it doesn't matter how much you make it, you know, it really is, can you survive well on what you make and, you know, what are your expenses compared to your income?
0: So what are some of the, the biggest tools that, that families can implement today to kind of help set them up for success? If, if they, they've never really looked at their finances, if they're like a lot of families who are just, I get my paycheck, I put it in the bank, then I write all my bills and then whatever we have left over, we might save for a vacation next month. But what, what are some things that they can sit down right now and just kind of look at and investigate and, and plan?
1: That's a good question. So I'm a big proponent of pay yourself first. So, you know, when income comes in, um, and this is kind of like a Dave Ramsey school of thought is, you know, you tell your money where to go. So if you have your budget in place, if you don't, that's where you want to start is with your budget. Um, But then you want to direct your money and tell it where to go. So this much is going to go towards retirement savings, and this much is going to go towards emergency savings, and this much is going to go towards paying off debt. So really just having a plan for where all of that money is going to go is going to really set you up for success.
0: Awesome. So so the budget first and foremost, and just knowing where your money's going. Yes. Yes. So. Uh, and it it is amazing to me how many families don't know where their money's going. Um, you know, I, I see ads all the time for these new services where it's like, we'll we'll check your bank account and see what services you're paying for. And, and Facebook, I on ad. It was like, I never knew I was still getting charged for Hulu, you know? And I'm thinking, how do you not know? Are you not looking at your bank? But is that something that you see a lot of families just are kind of oblivious to what's going on there with their bank accounts?
1: Yes. And quarantine has been a really good wake up call for that. You know, I've, uh, been talking a lot about that. Like, now's the time if you're stuck at home, cancel all of those subscriptions and memberships that you really aren't using right now. You know, go through your online thinking and see what can be cut out. And, you know, I don't live by the philosophy of, you know, cut everything out. We have right. to, again, live a balanced life. We need to splurge where it makes sense. And if you're at home, 24 hours a day, Netflix or, you know, a streaming service is a good place to splurge. But, you know, if you realize you haven't been to the gym in a year, well, maybe you want to cut that out. So things that you aren't using or prioritizing in your life, you might want to consider cutting out.
0: And what about families who, who found themselves in a lot of debt, right? So you, you have these families, they're, they're making good money, but majority of their spending is on paying for debt. On stuff that they bought you know prior um, what are some of the steps to kind of dig yourself out of that debt because because i don't know what your philosophy is mine always always let's take care of the debt first and then we start saving because that debt's going to accumulate but what are your thoughts on on paying off debt and getting getting debt free or at least manageable
1: yeah so i actually have a bit of a different philosophy here on this one when it comes to paying off debt i believe that you should pay off debt at the same time that you're saving and the reason i am a proponent of that is for a few reasons so you know one reason is that if you're only paying off debt and then another emergency happens and you still don't have anything in savings then you're going to be right back in the same spot that you were before and things always happen in life so, I do believe that you should be paying debt off while still saving in your emergency savings. And even, believe it or not, still saving towards retirement and other financial goals because, like I said, life always happens. There's always going to possibly be a new debt that we're facing. So, you know, the more time that goes by without saving as well, the more time you're losing. To set yourself up for future financial success, gotcha. and then comes to you know ways of paying off debt. You know, there's two major um, schools of thought here, and I'm actually okay with either of them. I believe that it is partially a personal choice. You know, some people will say pay off your debt that has the highest interest rate first, um, and obviously that makes good financial and mathematical sense. Another school of thought says, you know get rid of um, your smallest credit card or your smallest debt first, just so you can have it gone. And if that's gonna make you feel better and feel motivated to start paying off your debt, I think that that is perfectly fine as well.
0: And that was gonna be one of the questions I asked you, actually, is, is the approach towards paying off debt because you know we kind of did the snowball method the dave ramsey method for us is just pay off those smaller ones and then take everything we were paying on on that bill and apply it to the next and i think we got to the point where we're making like six car payments a month because we had paid off all this other debt but um i think a lot of it has to do with your personality and kind of your your emotional attachment to money and, and I'm sure you deal with that a lot. Like this emotional attachment of, I just want it because I want it. I don't really have a a logical answer for it. But, but what is, what do you feel like is the the relationship between money and emotions and, and your work with people about kind of being able to look at it logically and not necessarily be overwhelmed with just, I want it because I want it or I don't know.
1: Yes, definitely. So money is so personal, you know, and I've realized throughout my career that you can't, just come at it with everybody with the same approach you have to tailor it to the way that they view money and money starts from you know how we deal with money starts from our childhood and lessons that we learned when we were small so you know it's some for some people it's baby steps you know if you can't make a hundred percent good financial decisions right now you make a few good financial decisions and it's a journey and it's a process so, you know, money is very personal and you can't tell people exactly what to do.
0: Right. And I, I grew up in a very conservative South and it was like, you don't talk about money. Um, you know, I had no idea how much my dad made until I got to college and had to fill out a FAFSA. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, you know, we were better off than I thought we were. But um, so I'm sure you deal with families too, who, who have an issue with talking about money, you know, very tight lip. They, they, they feel some some guilt about whether they're making more than they think they should, or they're embarrassed about how little they're making. What are some things you tell people when they're just that uncomfortable with their relationship with money and getting a little more uh, responsible for what they're spending and, and how they're talking about that?
1: Yeah, definitely. A lot of it is, you know, just mental blocks when it comes to money. And, and I think it's a journey and a process and everybody's going to move at their own pace. But I i you know, I always preach that when I'm working with clients, like the more open you are, the better, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I think my parents set something up for me or they set something up for my kids, but I don't really know. And, you know, and there's no shame in asking, like the more, you know, when it comes to money, the better. So if you can gather up that courage. I always say, blame it on me. Tell them your financial advisor needs to know mm-hmm. in order to do the best planning for you. Um, Again, because the more knowledge we have about your financial circumstances, the better we can plan with you. So, you know, if you can gather up that courage to talking to your parents is a big one. You know, mom, dad, do you have your end of life documents in order? You know, you've set up a plan for the kids. Do you feel comfortable sharing, you know, what that is with me so I can tell my financial advisor so we can do better planning? Um, You know, just beginning that conversation same with budgeting. I say, you know, if you're married or you have a partner and you have joint finances, try to set up a date or, you know, have something on your calendar where you talk about your finances once a month. And if you need to do it over, you know, a bottle of wine or whatever's going to make it better for you, um, do that. Because again, the more open you can be about finances with your loved ones, the better off you're going to be.
0: And my wife and I recently started doing a weekly marriage meeting on Sunday evenings. We sit down and kind of, kind of go through that. And, you know, marrying an accountant, I I came in bumbling into the marriage with student loan debt and car payments and my wife was debt free. And so we had a very different attitude towards money in our marriage. And a lot of it was I would have debt or credit cards that I wasn't comfortable with telling her about, because I was worried about how she would think about me when really she just wanted to know that it existed um, and we, we had to work our marriage through that quite a bit was this idea of like, it's not a shameful thing. Just tell me that you have this credit card and we can deal with it. But when you're keeping it secret from me, cause you're worried about how I'll react.
1: Exactly. That's what I was thinking. just now Is like shame. There's so much shame tied to money. I mean, My best friend, since I was 13 years old, called me and just burst into tears one day and said, I don't want to tell you this because you're my best friend and you're a financial planner, but you know, I have $40,000 in credit card debt. Okay. So I always try to come at it from a place of like non-judgment. So you are where you are, and what can you do to make it better for yourself? Because there should be no shame tied to money, and we all make mistakes. And you know, some of us have had better education when it comes to money than others. You know, I was fortunate enough to have a financial advisor for a father, so you know, I had to credit card it. 17 and was told like, you know, you pay this balance off every single month. So, you know, I was kind of like, okay, I have to be financially responsible, but we're not all that lucky. And, you know, if you can get past the shame, um, it's, I always tell you'll so good. You know, people are so scared to meet with me. They say, do I have to pretend I'm smart? Like, I don't know anything. And you know, oh, my situation is so bad. And I say, trust me, I'm sure I have seen worse. (laughs) It doesn't need to be shame. And once you, you know, just even taking that first little baby step, you are going to feel like the weight has been lifted from your shoulders just because action feels good.
0: So When it comes to the honesty part, whether you're being honest with yourself about money or your spouse, or, you know, maybe you're a college student and you don't want to tell your parents about this debt that you're accumulating. I know that for me, the biggest moment was when we sat down to budget that's when everything kind of comes to the table and I wonder how many families that's one of the the, the barriers to making a budget it's like I don't want to put everything out there I like having my own stuff I like spending my own things and I don't necessarily want everything just laid bare how do you work families through that or, or individuals who are reluctant to look at that
1: yeah, absolutely so you know if it's just an individual I'll offer to do a budget with them so it'll be one of our meetings where it's like, okay, bring in your computer, bring on your, bring your online banking in and we're going to just attack this together. You know, maybe they just need moral support because knowledge is power. And If you don't face it, you can't have a plan. There's no way around it. You have to know what's coming in versus going out. And then when it comes to people who are, you know, in a family unit or, you know, it's them and a partner, there's lots of different ways that you can manage your finances with another person. Um, my boyfriend and I, you know, we have a child together, we don't even share a bank account and, you know, but we split bills, we've lived together for seven years and we've never shared a bank account and it works perfectly for us, but you know, maybe, you know, you and your husband or you and your wife, you share finances, there's different strategies. You know, you can have your own bank accounts and then a joint bank account for, you know, household bills. You can have everything combined. There's not one right answer. It's what works for you and your spouse. And some of it is, you know, figuring out what's right and trying some different things until you finally stumble upon, you know, what does work for you and your family. But you have there has to be some sense of honesty there. That's, well, complete honesty and transparency with your partner because that's part of, you know, building trust in a relationship you know, honesty about finances is very important.
0: So we're going to switch gears for a minute. I wanted to talk about, a little bit about these uh, multiple streams of income. So I think that that's been a big trend society-wise is this idea of the side hustle, um, that you have this job that you, you grind out, you know, your nine to five, and but then you get to do something that you're passionate about in the evenings and, and create another source of income. But what are some of the pitfalls to that? What are some of the things? Because I've seen a lot of people who failed at doing that and then they end up in more debt because they just, jumped into it um, without really being prepared, but I want to kind of open the floor for you there just to talk about this idea of multiple streams of income, multiple jobs, um, those kinds of things.
1: Yes. So I actually just wrote a blog post on this. You can see it up my website, financial-yogi.com, but there are definitely pros and cons to multiple streams of income, and it is such a buzzword and so trendy right now, like everybody should have multiple streams of income. I don't necessarily believe that. You know if you have a job that you like and you're not interested in becoming an entrepreneur as long as you are set up with a hefty enough you know emergency savings account if something happens to that job and you can go for a few months to a year until you secure a new job that's okay i don't think you have to have multiple streams of income you know or passive income to be financially successful um now could it be an extra added bonus yes but you know realistically who wants to work a nine-to-five job and then come home and work a side hustle now if it is your goal in life to become an entrepreneur then definitely you're going to want to start splitting your time between your day job and your side hustle and eventually moving into that side hustle full-time um you know i know there's another school of thought where people think like if you're a true entrepreneur you just quit your job and you you hustle and grind until you make it I don't think that's necessarily true either because right. you know, that's not that's probably not financially responsible
0: <laughs> and that's kind of been what we've been um, with myself as a therapist and the company that I work for is a lot of people are like why don't you go start your own thing you know you're very you're very passionate you're very um, active in a lot of things I got a lot of projects I'm like because I like working just for a job where they take care of all that other stuff
1: There's lots of benefits to having a job or a career where, you know, your health insurance is taken care of. You have a retirement plan at work. Um, I don't think everybody needs a side hustle.
0: Let's talk a moment about, uh, about people who don't have a source of income. So a spouse who's staying at home, raising a child or somebody who uh, doesn't have the opportunity, because I think that we have a stigma right now in this nation of like, even if you're a stay-at-home parent you have to be working in some capacity you have to be making some money you have to be contributing financially what do you tell people who who kind of struggle with that identity that like you don't necessarily have to be contributing to the relationship financially or do you have a different opinion on on the matter
1: yeah that's a that's a difficult one you know that i think comes back to trust in the relationship so that it's never right. you know really held against you or over your head. Because if you are a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, you're still contributing to the household so that the other parent can go out and you know make the money so that you can stay home with the children if that's what you choose. So you're also making a sacrifice. Um, I do think that that's perfectly fine and works for many families. I see many financially successful couples where one parent does not contribute financially to the household you know, because they're the main um, caretaker. But I just think that the other spouse needs to be aware that you can't hold that over the other partner's head and that that partner is also making a sacrifice for the family. Um, The working parent or the working partner can contribute to Um, you know a retirement account on behalf of the spouse so you can do things like that so that the spouse does have their own money Um, a portion of the income can also be given to the spouse um, and managed on their own so I think that's a personal you know something personal that the couple needs to work out but I think that it is possible to do successfully
0: awesome so I'm an average American and I'm sitting down and I'm like, I'm going to plan my budget. I'm going to try to make sure that I have the kind of income that I need for myself, whether it's multiple streams of income, whether it's just this one job that I that I enjoy and that helps pay the bills. But if you're like me and you don't know a lot about finances, there's a bazillion things out there that are all saying that they're the thing to do. So what are the most common financial mistakes that people need to avoid or be aware of if they try to start taking control of their finances? Cause there's a lot of, a lot of pitfalls out there when it comes to, to saving and investing.
1: Yes, that's very true. Um, I think the biggest one that comes to mind is what's right for your neighbor or your mom or your dad is not necessarily right for you. So I get that a lot. Like, Oh, my coworker said I should do this. Or, you know, my next door neighbor said I should do this. Everybody's financial Situation is completely unique and just because someone down the block says that you should be doing this doesn't necessarily mean that that's what you should be doing so you know it's kind of like consult an expert if you don't have the funds right now to hire a financial advisor or a financial planner um, you know maybe you can get one free consultation start reading make sure that your sources are reputable You know, you can do it alone and be successful, but it it does take extra work. Um, You know, consulting an expert really is the best thing to do to make sure that you're getting some advice.
0: Awesome. And let's talk about life insurance for a moment, Um, because that's something that my wife and I tried to establish pretty pretty early on in our relationship, because she saw uh, personally kind of how the benefits of having life insurance. But a lot of people, they don't like to talk about it because they, if people don't like to talk about money, they also don't like to talk about death uh, and and that kind of thing. So how do you help your clients better prepare for that event, for the loss of a spouse or a loved one or the loss of themselves and how they set up their family for uh, to be taken care of after that?
1: Yes, it's another emotional topic for sure. Um, because nobody does like to confront their own mortality um, but my philosophy is that if you have someone who is dependent on your income or you're dependent on their income then and and if something were to happen to you and that income could not be replaced then you're probably a good candidate for life insurance and it is a personal choice you know um, some people like to have enough life insurance so that the remaining spouse could live completely in the lifestyle that they lead now. Um, other couples say, you know, I'll give him or her enough to pay off the mortgage and then they're on their own. Right. So it, it's a personal choice. But again, if you have people who are dependent on your income or you're dependent on someone else's and it can't be easily replaced, you probably need life insurance. And it's not as scary as most people think.
0: No, it's 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 really not having gone through it, it's like, okay, I just I just kinda of signed this and now I know that something happens to me that my wife, my daughter are taking care of. So it's a it's a nice thing to know because I know people who don't prepare for that can often leave their families in quite the mess or, or their dependents. Um, and speaking of kind of the the end of life kind of area, let's talk about re- retirement. Um, and how people can prepare for retirement, whether it's all just about putting away money in a mattress somewhere, or if there's a, there's a better strategy for, for being prepared. Because it seems like that field goal keeps moving later and later in life for retirement. And, and some Americans think that maybe it's not as important, or they think maybe it's more important than ever.
1: Yes, absolutely. So a good goal to aim for is saving anywhere from 10 to 15% income towards retirement savings and of course you know fees are important investments are important but I always tell my clients one of the most important things when it comes to saving for retirement is time so obviously the earlier you start the better now do I see plenty of you know 50 year olds who haven't saved a dime for retirement yes and is it possible to still retire and save enough you know in their last working years yes but it's going to make it a lot more difficult um, i understand that you know the less you know about the stock market and investing the scarier it is but it's really important to have your money working for you so we all know about you know inflation and the rising cost of goods and if we have money for retirement you know 20 30 40 years from now just sitting in cash obviously you're losing purchasing power and you know whatever you have saved today for retirement in cash um, is not going to be worth what it is today you know many years in the future from now so somehow you need to be having your money working for you so that you can take advantage of things like you know compound interest and earning potential over time and for people that looks you know Um, different uh, for different people. Some people don't want to ever put their money in the stock market because it's too scary or you know some people feel more comfortable with real estate. Um, There's lots of different ways to get your money to work for you but um, it's important that your retirement savings is not sitting in cash.
0: I know that's one of the big reasons you want to go seek out a financial advisor or planner because you don't always know what the best option is for your family. even even being married to an accountant, when we started getting ready for our retirement, we, we went to a planner because we knew that there's a bunch of options out there and we had to find the right fit for our family, for what we wanted to do when we retired, for what retirement was gonna look like for us. I think a lot of families, or a lot of individuals' retirement looks differently now than it did 30, 40 years ago. Um, the amount of time you spend retired is different. <laughs> so um, being prepared for that uh, inevitability is is important
1: exactly and there's lots of different types of ways to save for retirement and the average person is probably not going to know the difference between all of the different ways that you can do it you know if i were to stand in front of a room and say you know roth ira traditional ira 401k SEP ira solo 401k the average person doesn't know what that means um, we're not taught that so you know working with a professional will help you to know if you are saving through the best, you know, methods out there possible for you and your situation.
0: And I really like your message about making sure it fits for you because there are a lot of financial um, whizzes out there in the world who say, this is the plan you need to follow. And it's kind of a one size fits all thing that they're selling. And, and the idea of sitting down with a planner, sitting down with somebody who knows what your options are, um, who can kind of get a feel for what you're looking for in your finances, for understanding all your different sources of income and your expenditures, that's um, a really good thing to have in your corner. Because There's I think
1: statements when it comes to finances, you're going to hear things like life insurance is bad, annuities are bad, you know, um, actively managed funds are bad. You want all low fee investments, like, mm-hmm. you know, when you get into making blanket statements for everyone, that should be a red flag for you that it's probably true.
0: (laughs) And I I remember that in college, like when you take a test, if it says always or never, you know that that's the wrong answer because there's always an exception to it. Um, And so, and I think that it's important to remember too, that if if you're wanting to improve your physical health, you seek out a personal trainer. If you're wanting to improve your medical health, you seek out a doctor. Your spiritual health, you seek out a pastor or minister or whatever it might be. And so if you're really trying to get yourself more financially healthy, which I think my belief is if more American families were financially healthy, then the country as a whole would be more financially healthy. Because a lot of the programs that we've implemented, a lot of the money that we have spent as a nation goes towards helping families that aren't as financially prepared or stable or healthy as they could be and there's definitely room for wills, welfare things. Um, our country was, was built on that idea of, of taking care of its citizens, but the, the weight of that can get excessive when people aren't as financially prepared or healthy. So, let me see. You
1: know, it's funny because um, I feel like when it comes to finances, there's this message like, you can do it yourself. You don't need to hire a financial advisor. Like why pay the money? You know, do it yourself, do it yourself, but we don't tell people that when it comes to other things, like if we're sick, we don't say like, take care of yourself. We're taught like, ask for help, you know? If you're overwhelmed, if you're stressed, like get help. Um, But there seems to be this message with money that if you can't do it yourself, and you can't be successful on your own, then there's shame involved, and that's just not true.
0: And I think that's something we see with, with our society is, the things that we're reluctant to talk about we often try to take care of ourselves so things like mental health you know that's still a big stigma against mental health there's still a lot of issues with the way that we address it in society and a lot of Americans just kind of I'll just trying to try to figure out how to handle this myself and not really talk about it with other people because of how they'll look at me or what I think they might say and money's kind of the same way um, death or retirement kind of comes into that that category also but I was going somewhere with that and I forgot where I was going but um, but yeah the, the 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 importance of seeking out somebody who knows what to do and even if you don't use a financial planner for the rest of your life i'm sure that initial consultation is is vital to kind of help set you up on the right path
1: yeah and maybe you're not ready for a financial advisor or financial planner but um there's a lot of financial coaches out there now maybe that's a good starting point you know if you need help with you know just budgeting and um money mindset maybe you just want to start with a financial coach for now um people ask me like well when do you know that your time you're ready to meet with a financial planner or financial advisor and you can meet with with a financial advisor if you need help with budgeting and that kind of thing but my general rule of thumb is like you know once you have your emergency savings in place and you're ready to start doing even more then it's probably a good sign that you're ready when you're ready to get your money working for you
0: gotcha awesome well Brian, we are coming up on about 50 minutes here so we'll kind of start wrapping it up where can people find you online
1: Sure. So my website is www.financial-yogi.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, just my name, Brianne Sosha, and I have a Financial Yogi Facebook page as well. So you can search me on Facebook.
0: Awesome. All right. And all of those links will be in the show notes for this episode. So make sure you click on that. Um, And also be available on the OT Dad's Facebook page and website. Um, if you want to seek her out and we'll have links and stuff and all that. So Brianne, I want to thank you um, for for joining me this morning and talking about how people can better their finances and, and get more financially healthy. I think that's a big benefit to have because even like when you get sick, a healthier person, they can fight off sickness better than a, a, a less physically healthy person. Same thing with finances, right? When the pandemic comes, if you're financially healthy, you can fight that off a little bit better. So I appreciate all of your insight. Um, I got one last question for you. What does a better America look like to you?
1: So, I think I'm going to stick with today's theme of not being afraid to ask for help and getting rid of the shame um, that we see so often when it comes to personal finances. So, you know, having the courage to, um, I'd like to see in our country where we have more education around finances and we're not afraid to talk about our financial past our financial mistakes and being open enough to ask for help along the way on our journeys
0: this has been the better america podcast to help this week's guest with their vision for a better america Be sure to check out the show notes or visit theotdad.com slash betteramerica to find out more about supporting their vision and policies. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this show wherever your podcast app may allow you. And always be sure to share this show with others. Thank you for listening, and Godspeed.